This podcast is brought to you by MonthlyChallenge.fit. It's like Weight Watchers better help and the biggest loser had a baby. Check it out, MonthlyChallenge.fit. Today on episode number 336 of the Logical Weight Loss Podcast, we're going to be talking with Roger Anderson, who is the host of the Kitchen Counter Podcast. We're going to talk about getting you back into the kitchen, and I'm going to share my experience the first time using a cooking thermometer. Welcome to the Logical Weight Loss Podcast, where we take a no-nonsense approach to weight loss. We left our excuses in the past, and we've forgiven ourselves for abusing the gift that is our bodies. From this point forward, our health is more important. We will stay focused. We will stay determined. We will sacrifice now knowing that it's not going to be easy so that we can live a better tomorrow. We understand that weight loss is a marathon, not a sprint. It's about making lifestyle changes and that the only person who can stop you is you. You know where you are now and you know where you want to be. The new you begins today. Let's go. I just want to be thin. I don't deny it thin. I want to try it thin, but I can't buy it. Guess I'll have to just d- d- die it thin. Won't tell you lies thin. I want smaller size thin, but I realize I guess I'll have to Welcome aboard to the Logical Weight Loss Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Jackson, from the School of Podcasting.com. If you're new to the show, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a trainer. I'm just a person like you trying to lose weight. And uh, a little update on what's been going on with me. I came back from being out of town, put on my calendar to go to the gym uh, three times this week, and I actually did it. Now, I didn't do it in the morning, which was the original plan. I did it in the evenings. But I've been doing that, been watching what I eat, and here's the fun thing, hasn't really made much of a difference. And this is not really a huge surprise. We've always said that you can't really exercise your way out of a bad diet. Uh, I'm not sure what's going on, getting plenty of sleep, drinking plenty of water, but this is one of those where you have to trust in the system, even if it's not working. So that's what's going on with me. I kind of keep fluctuating a, a little above and a little below 215, and I'd like to get down to about 190. So that's where I'm at. Well, joining me via Skype, I actually heard Roger on a podcast about podcasting, and he had mentioned that he listened to my show, so I went over and listened to his show, and I was like, wow, this guy would fit the Logical Weight Loss podcast. He does a show called the Kitchen Counter Podcast. It's uh, dedicated to helping aspiring home cooks grow their skills and confidence in the kitchen so they can start cooking up memories with their families and friends. It says, uh, whether you want to learn to cook or just need some simple food inspiration, Roger will cover recipes, kitchen tools, and interviews with experts to help you on your home cooking journey. And I don't know about you guys, but for me, I I grew up in a way that uh, my mom did all the cooking. And when I moved out, uh, I'm not making this up. One night I had, I I burned this, I I made a hamburger that was so thick. It was because I was new to this thing. So I just made this big patty. I ended up with a brick on the grill. And so I had RC Cola, a brick on a bun and chocolate pudding. I mean, that was, that was cooking for me in my twenties. And so now I'm trying to do kind of healthier stuff. So, uh, Roger, thanks for coming on the show, buddy. I'm super happy to be here, Dave. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And I know on your website, it says you, you truly believe that learning to cook and doing it regularly 
is one of the single most important things you can do for your health, your sanity, and your wallet. Your health I get because I try to avoid, I always say there really isn't much of anything that's good that's going to come through the drive through window, uh, usually, typically. Your wallet I kind of get. What's the sanity part? How do you save your sanity by home cooking? I think there's a couple of ways I guess you could look at it. I know some people who probably don't cook think like, wow, that sounds stressful to actually try to cook for my family. But once you kind of get into it, you actually spend more time with your family you know, so you have a little more quality family time together. And that could be sitting at the dinner table, eating dinner together rather than in the car or whatever. It could be making the dinner together. When I grew up, I spent a lot of time in the kitchen with my mom cooking. So for us, it kind of strengthened our our bonds. So, you know, you might find that you have better relationships with your family. That might be one way. And you also know what you're eating. That kind of goes back to the health <laughs> point. So maybe you're not like, man, I know this double whopper with cheese and bacon is awful for me, you know, that, that can contribute to stress, right? So when you know what you're making and you're making good food, I think that, that helps put your mind at ease as well. Yeah, I can see that now. It's kind of a Norman Rockwell moment where you've got sissy, you know, cooking, you know, cutting up the veggies and brothers, you know, whatever he's manning the, uh, the chopper or whatever. And, and, uh, you know, you're, you're flipping the burgers or whatever you're doing or the chicken or whatever. Do you do this a lot at home yourself? Um, not as much as I'd like to. I actually have an hour commute to my day job each way. Ouch. So, yeah. So for us, and maybe we'll talk about this a little later, the cook, we we still cook a lot at home. My wife obviously does a lot too, but planning is a big part of it, right? So when you get into cooking at home, you, you want to try to avoid the, oh, it's, 530, what are we going to eat for dinner tonight moments? Because then (laughs) the best laid plans, we've all done that, right? I I still do it occasionally. Yeah. Uh, we got to run to the store. Let's run to Burger King. Let's run to the whatever the Chinese food. That's usually when the bad choices come in. Usually when the bad choices come in for for your health and your pocketbook. That, that is, I think, I, I guess let's start there and then we'll get into maybe some of the things people need if they want to get into this. But what are some of the top hurdles that you hear? And I hate the word excuse, but reasons, whatever you want to call them, that people give to to not doing home cooking. You know, it was interesting because when I started this podcast a couple of years ago, I was under the assumption that the top reason people would give is that they don't know how to mm-hmm. cook. And that does come up. But actually, by far and away, because I did a survey of my audience about a year and a half ago to ask them, you know, what, what is it that prevents you from doing it as much as you'd like? And the number one answer far and away was I don't have time yeah. to cook. See that? Um, go ahead. For, for me, I thought it was time until I actually started a stopwatch. And I, I drove to, I don't know what it was, Olive Garden or something like that. I've got, I live near a mall, so I've got all sorts of really bad choices right down the street. So I went to like Olive Garden. I had to wait to get seated. Then I had to wait for my waitress and then they made my meal and then I had to wait to get the check. And by the time I got home, it was like an easy, I don't know, close to two hours by the time. And it's only like 10 minutes away, but there was like a, you know, 15 minute wait and then another wait. And by the time I got home, I was like, you know what? I could have probably chopped up some stuff, cooked it up, you know, let it simmer for 20 minutes or whatever the, the things. So sometimes the whole fast food thing, now granted, obviously going to a Burger King is going to be a different experience, but nonetheless, even that driving there, I don't know about you. Anytime I go through a drive-through, I am cursed. I will get behind the minivan with like 13 kids in it. And even though it's McDonald's, they don't know what they want. Apparently (laughs) it's the same menu that's been there. So sometimes I think the, the fast food route really isn't isn't as fast as I think as we, we think it is. 
It's not. And you make a good point. Getting there is one thing. And what I mentioned earlier, half the time you're like, what, what am I going to do? I mean, you can burn 15 minutes hemming and hawing, you know, with by yourself or with other people. It's like, do you want to you want to go to get Chinese? No, let's have oh, pizza. Oh, well, I, I called and it's going to be an hour before it's ready. And you're right. People don't factor in if they take that stuff away. Wow. You've got an hour. You've got 30 minutes. You've got whatever it is. And cooking at home doesn't have to take a long time. Yeah. In fact, if if you plan Again, if you plan it right, you can cook in ways that actually reduce your time later on in the week. You know, you can prep ahead. You can cook ahead. Yeah. That, that makes a big difference. One of our biggest ingredients that we used to eat a lot, at least my, my stepchildren love to eat, was I don't care. It'd be like, <laughs> well, what do you want for dinner? I don't care. Okay, what do you want? I don't care. Whatever you want. What do you want? I don't care. And we're like, okay, fine. We'll do Chinese. No, no, I don't <laughs> I don't want right, Chinese. Yeah. Anything but that. <laughs> Anything but that. Okay, fine. Pizza. We had pizza at school. That, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. So when you say that, I'm I'm sitting here laughing. So, well, I have a five and a half year old son. And, and whenever we ask him, like he wants a snack or something, his yeah. answer is just get me something, oh, brother. You know, and then you get him <laughs> to your point. You get him something. I didn't want a banana and yogurt. It's like, oh, okay. You know, I was teasing you. That's what he says. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. Well, so for those people that, are, are tired of eating out. My thing was, uh, it's funny when I actually tried to kind of, I've been slowly dipping my toe into cooking things at home. I, I never realized how much everything I cooked just was a microwave, just like throw it in, heat it up kind of thing. So for the, the person who knows they should cook more, uh, and they have like, they're just starting at ground zero. Um, they want to get into the, the kitchen a little more. What are some of the tools they, they, you think like are necessities for the person that's going to do home cooking? Well, as far as tools go, I'm the kind of guy. So when I speak, I speak from experience on this. I'm the kind of guy that if I get into something, I like to get all the stuff. Mm -hmm. And that that might even be before I start. You know, oh, I want to get into fly fishing. I'm going to buy a rod and all the tackle and, you know, the waiter. I'm going to get everything. And then I'll probably go like, man, this isn't that fun. Now I've got all this stuff. And I, I regret I have buyer's remorse. You don't need to do that when you're cooking at home. In fact, most people that live in a house or an apartment probably have most of the equipment they already need. And the big stuff's easy, right? We all probably have an oven and a, and a stovetop and we probably have a, a microwave. So that's the easy stuff. But, you know, a surprisingly large amount of recipes and dishes can be made with nothing more than like a, a skillet and a cover and a spoon. I mean, you'd be honest, I don't, I don't want to sound tried or I'm oversimplifying, right. but you don't need much. I, I always say like, you know, have you ever watched Anthony Bourdain when he goes to exotic locations and, you know, he goes into somebody's house in the rural Philippines right. and they're making a, like a 12 course meal for 30 people. And it looks like they're cooking on a, a piece of scrap metal and <laughs> a, a dull knife. And I, I, again, I'm not, I'm not trying right. to belittle that, but it's, it's remarkable what you can get done with very little. So as far as equipment, you know, if you can get a nice skillet, like a high sided skillet, a big round one, like a 10 inch one with mm. maybe a two or three inch side and a cover, that would be one thing. Maybe a saucepan with a cover where you can boil pasta or make right. rice, you know, between those two things, uh, you can make just about anything. And then and then for the third, I maybe like a heavy baking sheet so you can roast vegetables in your oven or, you know make uh, some rustic bread, make your frozen French fries, whatever it is you want to cook <laughs> in the oven, that pizza that you make or whatever, you know, you can use a baking sheet. So uh, like a skillet with a cover, a saucepan with a cover, a baking sheet. And I would say start there if you've never done anything else. Well, you, you just mentioned a cooking sheet for, for vegetables. And that's one of the things, what are some healthy kind of 
I don't know if there are quick things you can cook at home that are kind of healthy. Here, here's what I think as far as vegetables go. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people don't do this. So when I say, hey, cook some broccoli, most people, what, what do you think of when I say cook broccoli, for example? Probably what would some, you, some sort of steamer or something or. or right. You yeah, steam it or yeah. you boil it maybe or yeah. throw it in a microwave with some water. Yeah. Asparagus, whatever people think of that. Any any vegetable that you can cut into chunks, whether it's broccoli or carrots or potatoes or parsnips or beets, whatever it is, if you can cut those into chunks, if you just toss that with a little bit of olive oil, maybe a little bit of salt, throw those on a baking sheet and put them in an oven at like 425, depending on the vegetable, some might take longer, but figure 20, 25 minutes, those vegetables will start to roast and caramelize Hmm. and they're delicious. It's really easy, very healthy. There's not a lot of added fat. Um, you can do that with broccoli. If you've never had roasted broccoli, you absolutely have to try it. It's it. I don't like broccoli almost any other way now. It's, it's fantastic. One other thing I would mention too, as far as tools, and again, you don't have to go crazy right out of the gate, but I think, in my opinion, the most important tool you can have in your kitchen, mm-hmm. if you're going to make this home cooking thing somewhat regular, is a good knife. And, uh, again, you don't have to spend a lot of money and, you know, start out inexpensively, but your knife, you're going to probably use more than anything else in the kitchen. And a good knife is going to make your job easier, faster, and safer. You know, dull knives, bad knives, you're more likely to cut yourself. You're, you know, you're trying to saw through that potato or whatever it is, you know, the knife might slip. So a good knife, uh, is an investment and, you know, you can get like a, a Vustoff, just like W-U-S-T-H-O-F brand. You can get a, a chef's knife, I'll say like $100. It sounds like a ton of money, uh, right. under $100. It sounds like a ton of money for a knife, but it will last forever. And it's a very high quality knife. And, and trust me, if you've ever used cruddy knives, you'll, you'll really appreciate having a good knife. Yeah, that was uh, when I first moved into this apartment. It was the first thing I was like, okay, I need some real knives because I had like hand-me-downs that were, you know, they couldn't, they couldn't cut water basically. Right. I was like, okay, this is and exactly what you said. You would think a sharper knife would be more dangerous. And it's to, for me, at least it was exactly what you said. I'm like sawing through this thing. And that's where it's like, it's finally goes through and it slaps out. And next thing you know, you're like, wait a minute, where'd my, where'd the rest of my finger go? <laughs> and, and as Murphy's law would have it, you can't cut through a carrot with a dull knife, but it'll <laughs> slice your finger open, right. you know? <laughs> Exactly. So, yeah, a good knife is, is critical, I think, too. And one other thing just to add on, if 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 you're going the vegetarian or vegan route, that's one thing. But if you're going to be planning on cooking meat mm-hmm. on a regular basis, like let's just say boneless, skinless chicken breasts are very popular right. in healthy eating. Get yourself just a an inexpensive meat thermometer, because if you've ever overcooked, which we all have boneless, skinless chicken breasts, mm. they're terrible. It's like eating leather. Right? It is. I was going to say mm, leather, Chocky just like leather. mom used to make. <laughs> yeah. And that's because you're, you're overcooking it generally. And that's because you're probably guessing. You can't really tell when something's done by sight very easily, but a little digital thermometer that you can just stick in the end of the breast. It'll tell you when it hits 160, 165, you're good to go. You stop and then you'll have a much more moist chicken breast for, for one example. I'm or, right. Or you're cooking one- steaks. Yeah, or whatever. Because I, I do exactly what you said, and I'll throw them on the grill, and it's always like, you know, you get done, and then you you kind of slice part of it open, and you can see where the, the middle's still a little pink or whatever, and you're like, all right, then you throw it back on, and then you take it back off, and you're like, oh, we've gone to shoe leather, so. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and it's like, oh, here we go again. So I will definitely be uh, 
That sounds like a good one. And I'm sure now they have uh, Bluetooth thermometers that probably <laughs> sync to your phone or something crazy. You know what? You, you joke, but uh, and you don't even have to go as fancy as Bluetooth. But one of my favorite kitchen gadgets is a meat thermometer, but it's got a little metal cable mm-hmm. that comes out of the probe. So let's say you're going to make a, a roast in the oven. You stick the probe in there, you throw it in the oven, and then this cable comes out and attaches to the, the monitor that sits by your stove. So you can say, OK, I want to pull the roast out when it's at 135, for example. You can set an alarm, beep, 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 it's at 135. So you're not constantly opening the oven, sticking it with a meat thermometer right. and going, why is this taking an hour and a half longer than I thought? Well, because you're constantly opening the oven and letting all the heat out. <laughs> but with this contraption, this little thermometer, you know, that's remote, whether it's Bluetooth or, right. or wired, that that's great too. And again, I'm, we're starting to get into the gadgety weeds. You don't need it, but <laughs> right. if you can swing it, it's, you know, and you're doing a lot of stuff like that. It's great for the barbecue too you're putting stuff on the barbecue and you want to know when that steak is perfect. See, I, that's me. I, I am the king of, I mean, I have every stupid little, you know, I watch I quit watching infomercials because of course the beginning of the infomercial, first of all, convinces you have a problem that you didn't know you had. And then they tell you how they have the perfect cure and blah, blah, blah. And some of the stuff is okay, but a lot of it is just now sitting on a, I have like a um, storage shelf in this little side room of my kitchen. That's just like, there's the, there's the Foreman grill. There's the, you know, on and on. And some of that stuff I use. Um, you know, what's funny about that? Just a f- quick, funny story mm-hmm. is my dad a uh, long time ago, he saw this infomercial or as seen on TV thing. Right. And it, it was these plastic egg shape boiled egg cookers. Oh yeah. Have you seen those? I, I had one. I blew it up. You really, well, we bought, we, we went to like the made or as seen on TV store right. you know, that you find in some malls and we found these We're like, Oh, let's get it for him. He'll love it. We get it home. We take it to him. We're like, let's try these out. I'm not kidding you, Dave. It was at least twice as complicated as just boiling eggs. It's like, okay, so I've got to grease the inside of these. Okay. You know, you had to do all these steps, break the egg open, pour it inside, screw it together. I'm like, why don't we just boil eggs? Yeah. No, you know? mine was somewhere the little thing you would poke a hole in it. And then you would, uh, it had this, it had a metal thing, which I thought was weird. This, some sort of metal tray. You put the eggs on it, screw this thing back on, um, and put it in there and it worked great like three or four times. And then all of a sudden this one time I'm sitting there and poof. And I was like, I look in and there's just, you know, plastic everywhere. And I don't know what happened, but it wasn't happy anymore. And, I was, and then I'm with <laughs> you and I'm like, you know, boiling eggs, I, you know, it's time consuming and it's fun to peel them. But that I, I even bought that thing, the thing you're supposed to like, push down on and it peels the egg. It's just, it's really not that hard to just, you know, peel the egg. It's, it's, it's I don't know how many people have made their millions off of trying to solve that. My, my egg is too hard to peel conundrum. I don't get it myself, <laughs> but. Awesome. Before we get into what you like to cook, you mentioned planning. What's, um, what's a typical kind of plan? Like how, if you, if you're going to go through this, mm-hmm. what, what's your uh, routine of, of planning and figuring out and what do we have to plan for and things of that nature? Yeah. Let me take one step higher than that if okay. I could sure. just to start out. So I think it's important if, you, you know, you've never cooked or not cooked much and let's say you eat fast food every day. I think the first thing you need to do before you start anything is just kind of figure out what your goals are. And, and the reason I say that is, is let's say you want to go 180 degrees and stop eating out and you want to cook everything at home. Well, that's one scenario. Another scenario might be, you know what, I just want to not eat out for dinner maybe two times a week. Let's start there. That's another scenario. They're kind of opposite ends of the spectrum. And depending on where you go on that spectrum is going to determine, you know, how, what kind of planning you need to do, what kind of equipment you need to get, 
Does that make sense? So if, if you're oh, going to go full in, you want to do everything, it's going to be a whole nother level of commitment, for example, than it is if you're just, you know, making your lunches for work. Is, is that a smart move? Is that one of those things? Because sometimes we do that with exercise and we're like, you know what? I'm going to exercise five times a week. I'm going to get up at six in the morning. And then on day two, we're like, I can't do it. I knew I was a failure. Yeah. And they, they, we get, is that something that we should try to do it? Uh, just, you know, dip your toe in and, and then slowly work your way up. You know, I'm a big fan of small victories. Mm -hmm. So I think if you dip your toe in, you have some success and you go, you know what? I can do this. I can make something that I don't mind eating. It's good. It wasn't that hard. I can do it again. You have a couple of those successes. And then I think you can start to, if you want to go a hundred percent home cooked, which isn't really realistic for most people. I mean, at some point you're you're not going to do that, but you might get close. And if you want to get to that point, I think baby steps is the way to go. Because what will happen is if you try to go 100 percent, you know, or 90 percent home cooked food, you're going to get frustrated. And then it's you've committed. Right. Mm-hmm. It's going to compound. You're going to feel like a failure right out of the gate because you can't cook three squares a day for your family, for example. So I, I say if you've never cooked at home or you've not really cooked at home much, just like I said, maybe pick a couple of nights a week where you say we're not going to eat out on Tuesdays and Thursdays or, or weekends, the weekends are a hundred percent home cooking time. We're not going to eat out on the weekends or what, you know, whatever works for your schedule. I think you, you pick a couple of easy, low hanging, easy wins because maybe you hate it. You know, maybe you go, (laughs) I am a totally, I do not have the aptitude for this or the patience. I'm not, you know, you want to find out, I think before you totally commit. Yeah, absolutely. Like I say, I, people do that all the time with exercise. So mm-hmm. I think you're right to have uh, expectations because everybody's schedules are different. So if you can kind of realistically go, okay, when when can I really do this? So, okay, so I've, I've set my expectations. When we talk about planning, is it just a giant grocery list or uh, what's, well, what's involved? I think there's a lot of different ways you can do it. But the way I do it and the, the way that works for my family is every um, Saturday or Sunday morning or whatever mm-hmm. it is, we, 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 you know, put aside 20 minutes. My wife and I sit down and we say, OK, what do we want to eat this week? And, you know, the more you cook at home and the more you get comfortable with different recipes, the more you'll have kind of like a bucket of recipes to pull from, if that makes sense. So when you make something, you like it and you're good at it, you figured it out, you say that's a recipe that I can call on in the future. So you, you figured out how to make home, how to make homemade pizza. Great. I homemade pizza is something I can put on my weekly meal list. And then, you know, after a few months, you might have 20 or 30. That's what we, you know, we have a list on our iPhone that we just go to. So we say, what do we want to eat this week? Oh, we want to have tacos on Monday. And then on Tuesday, we'll make a salad. And then, you know, Wednesday night, let's leave that open because, you know, Alex, our son has a school activity. So maybe we'll just, we'll just grab Chinese takeout that night and that's okay. You can leave that stuff in there. As long as you plan for it, it's easier. Right. So you go through all of this and then you go, okay, so if we're going to have tacos on Monday, what I like to do is make, make a glorified shopping list to Mm -hmm. your point. So what do we need in the produce section? What do we need in the dry goods section? What do we need in the meat, the dairy, et cetera, frozen, whatever. And then you can just kind of go through and list out because when, what you'll find a couple of things, when you plan like this, you're going to save money because how many times have you gone to the store hungry because you don't know what you're going to make and you end up buying a bag of Doritos and some ding dongs and that lemon meringue pie from the supermarket bakery. And, right. Oh, uh, uh, you know, a bag of frozen vegetables. What am I having for dinner? So you're going to save money because you're planning. You're going to get it all done at once. And maybe shopping, we do a week at a time if we can. Maybe that's not realistic. Maybe you do a couple of days at a time, whatever works for your schedule. 
And, uh, and you'll find also foods that will use the same ingredients. Mm. And we try to plan that way too. So let's say we want to have chicken tacos one night and, um, I'm trying to think of another, uh, just like chicken and rice, just mm-hmm. something simple for simple examples. Well, maybe I just want to buy a chicken, roast it. And now I've got the chicken I need for both meals, you know, rather than if you weren't planning, you might buy chicken one day and chicken another day. And you're spending twice as much for chicken just as one example. Right. Plus all the trips in, in gas, which, you know, can add up after a while and exactly and time. Exactly. The fact that it's here, there's another 20 minutes that you've now burned that if you had done it the first time. Uh, and that's exactly. Where, and that's where you start to get the time back for everyone who's saying, I don't have time to do this. Well, you just gained, you know, 40 minutes by not, instead of going to the grocery store once for 20 minutes, you went, you know, three times during the week, that's 60 minutes. Well, you just got 40 minutes a, a week to now do something else. And I know everybody's favorite thing to do is spend time at the grocery store, right? So oh, it's, it's awesome. Who, who doesn't love to do that every night? It's great because my favorite yeah. is uh, not only do I get stuck behind a minivan when I go through a drive through window, uh, when I go through the express checkout, I always have someone who's 900 years old in front of me. So that's always, uh, that's not the least bit frustrating. So the local, my local grocery store, you know what they did? And it's like the heavens opened up and the angels sang. <laughs> they got rid of express checkout lines. Ah, because you know what happened to me? I'm, I'm this anxious type of person where I'd have this big cart of groceries and, you start- and the express checker would have nothing to do. And they'd be like, come on down here. I'm like, well, I, it's okay. I, I'm fine. No, 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 no. Come. So you wheel down to the express line. And as soon as you get into the express line and start unloading, somebody with like two items gets in line behind you <laughs> and they just scowl at you. And I'm like, it wasn't me. Yeah. It was the checker. They told me to come. She down. told me like, it's not yeah. my fault. Yeah. Yeah. Blame so anyway, as far as planning goes, that's what we do. And we don't have, we don't use any fancy spreadsheets or anything. We just write it down. And then the great part is we've written down what we're going to eat for the week. We tear that off the shopping list. We stick it on the fridge uh, so we can go, what were we going to have for dinner tonight? Oh, that's right. We were going to have tacos. Bam. Get all this stuff out. You're rolling. Nice. That again, eliminates the 20 minutes of wait, what did you want? No, no. We've already decided Tuesday is taco night. Mm-hmm. So doggone it. And again, giving you more time to do other things. So as much as you think I don't have time, I'm I'm hearing more and more with just a little bit of organization, you get a lot of time back. And like you said, your sanity, because I know uh, my ex-wife would walk in literally from, she's had a hard day at work. She would walk in and the kids would hit her with like, mom, what's for dinner? And she would just like, her head would just go and just explode. And uh, it's nice when you already know that it's taco Tuesday. And yeah. um, you don't have to go. Through and maybe it. if your kids help you plan, you get a little more buy in from the kids yeah. when it comes to dinner time. You know, they're 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 they know they're going to have tacos. I mean, what kid doesn't like tacos? Right. But I mean, most people have kids. They're like, I don't want to. Yeah, well, I don't want to eat that for dinner. I didn't know we were going to have that. But if you can plan and involve them, even in the cooking. And this works probably if you start them a little bit younger. Yeah. But, um, you know, that gets them into it. They tend to like dinner more. I, I could see in a, a perfect Norman Rockwell kind of world where if you start them early and obviously you want to be careful with knives and stuff with children. But as they get older, now it's like, hey, mom's not home from dinner yet. You know, you can get them on the phone. Why don't you go ahead and start the pizza? Because, yeah, you know, sure. that, that kind of thing and get them involved, which in the long run then is going to start healthy habits for them because now when they, you know, they're not eating <laughs> bricks and pudding for, for dinner yeah. when they're, when they're in their Chef 20s. Boyer, ravioli every night, which, <laughs> you know, and I tell people too, it's like, 
you don't have to cook everything from scratch. Right. And one of the things when it comes to expectation setting, Dave, is you have to kind of flush all that crap you read on the internet. I, I love food blogs. I love the food network, right. but most of that stuff is very unrealistic, right? So you go to a food blog and you find a beautiful recipe. Oh, I'm going to make this. Have you ever seen those Pinterest boards where it's like nailed it? <laughs> you know I'm talking about where somebody has like the, the Elsa uh, frozen cake and it's beautiful. And then they, they show how they made it. It's like a blob of, of teal and gold. And it's like nailed it. Well, that can, that can totally, that can totally kill you when you're cooking early on in your, in your cooking journey. Right. If you make something like this doesn't look like it's supposed to look, I'll never make food that looks good. Who cares? You know, right. the stuff they do on the food blogs has been photographed 30 times. It's been touched up. It's probably been made seven times. And they probably pick the best looking dish. So that's part of the expectations is that food world out there. It's media. It's glossy. It's not real. So don't get hung up on having to feel like you need to produce to what they do. You know, Bobby Flay is an amazing chef, no doubt. Right. But I'm sorry, I'm never going to make anything that looks like he makes on Iron Chef. Right. It's just never going to happen. Are there other common kind of food myths that people get sucked into? You know, as far as healthy eating is yeah. concerned, one that is is fairly common a lot of people think that if you cook in the microwave, which you mentioned earlier, it somehow destroys the nutrients in your food, <laughs> which is totally not true, totally untrue. So if you have to use a microwave to, you know, to steam up some vegetables, go for it. It's not going to be any worse for wear than just steaming them on the stovetop. So that, that's, a, that's a myth. And a related myth I hear a lot is that like canned foods, for, for example. Versus frozen? I was going to ask you that. Yeah, canned, frozen and fresh, you know, in a lot of cases, frozen food, vegetables, for example, maybe not Totino's pizza bites, but you know, <laughs> frozen, which I'm a fan of, by the way, frozen vegetables are probably more nutritious in many ways than fresh vegetables because they're picked at the peak of their ripeness, at the peak of their freshness. They're flash frozen to capture that. And then you buy it and cook it. And it's like you're cooking a vegetable that was just picked as opposed to maybe the green beans that have been sitting on the produce shelf for a week, they've been shipped up from Mexico. Oh, right. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. It's just that you shouldn't poo poo frozen foods because you think for some reason you're cheating or it's not real vegetable. For example, it's totally fine. So yeah. those are a couple big ones. I always consider any kind of vegetables probably better than whatever was coming out with a Mick in front of it. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> The McRib. Yeah, I think you're probably right about that. Yeah. yeah. McRib. I didn't even think the McRib's actually a rib. Yeah. <laughs> no, I would, I would love to do like a reverse analysis of where did this really come from? I for, yeah, exactly. I forget the comedian that was talking about uh, McNuggets that said he was pretty sure he could put some in front of a chicken. And then he go, yeah, I'd eat that. Cause it's yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. It's like, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Any other things we should uh, talk about talking about getting into the kitchen for the first time, trying to cook healthier before, uh, before we let you go. Okay. A couple things I would say in the, these two things, and I've actually, I can send you a, a couple of my podcast episodes where I've talked about sure. like um, cooking mistakes to avoid and that sort of a thing. Nice. But, but two things I would say that will make your cooking experience 100% better if, if you did nothing else but follow these two things when you get in the kitchen to cook, one, you're, I'm guessing you're not going to be cooking. You're not going to be winging it, right? Again, we're not Bobby Flay. We can't just <laughs> grab some stuff and make an amazing ratatouille or whatever. I don't know. So you're going to be following a recipe, right? 
So it's absolutely crucial before you do anything, before you start cooking at all, is that you read your recipes through completely, maybe two times. Because let me tell you, there's nothing cruddier than getting halfway through a recipe and going, oh, I was supposed to divide the sugar or the salt, not put it all in now. Uh-oh. <laughs> right. Yeah. So you need to, to read through. And, and also you, you might see something that you don't understand. And again, there's nothing worse than being in the middle of a, a really delicate cooking technique and going, I don't I don't know what that means. I've got to Google it. And meanwhile, your fish is burning. Right. Yeah. So read your recipes. through. And then the second thing, and this sounds like a hoity-toity French thing, but it really does save a lot of time and sanity. It's called mise en place. It's a M-I-S, M-I, yeah, M-I-S-E-E-N-P-L-A-C-E. And all that means is everything in its place. So when you read your recipe through, you get all of your ingredients out and you prep them for however they need to be for when you're cooking. So all you have to do, you get, get some little bowls and plates or whatever, and you see this on the cooking shows, right? They just reach over and grab the mushrooms and drop them in. They reach over and grab the onions and the, it's all pre-measured. It's all ready to go. Again, you don't want to be digging through the fridge looking for the butter or the, you know, the, right. the whatever it is when you're like, I thought I had some. I'm out. You should have that stuff all ready to go before you even start cooking. It's a little bit more of a mess, a few more bowls to clean. But, you know, it makes a world of difference. When, when you're cooking. So those two things I would say are, are huge. The the thing that I've done, cause I've, I've started doing this. In fact, I just made a big giant pot of like, I think it's called garden veggie pasta, something like this. And it's a, it's a pound of, I'm not, it's going to take days for me to eat this stuff. But for me, when I get done, I've learned, cause I know I'm number one, I usually eat it right when it's done. And to me, the meal isn't over until the dishes are somehow addressed because it's when, because for me, I have all this, these little bitty pieces of tomato that are on this, this, uh, pot. And if I don't at least run some water in it or something like that, I'm really going to hate myself when I finally go, okay, it's time to, you know, and I'm chiseling off the, the dried veggies and things like that. So for me, at least I've found that if you, for me, the meal should be over until the dishes are in the dishwasher. Um, you will, you will, it's a bummer cause you're tired, you're full, you ate too much maybe. And you're like, Oh, I just want to sit down and relax. It's like, no, no, trust me. You, you, you will hate yourself much less if you can actually get up and throw those bad boys. And that's another one. If you have kids, you can say, all right, whose turn is it to, you know, clear the table and put them in the dishwasher or whatever, and then let the arguments ensue. Cause <laughs> that's no, another thing that's <laughs> deceiving about those cooking shows. Yeah. They make this giant mess, but you know, they have a brigade of people that come in and clean all that up, you know? It makes it look so romantic. Yeah. You're trying to do that at home. And it's like, wow, you, I can, I can wreck a kitchen like nobody's business. Well, that was me. It doesn't I, take much. I finally got smart because I was, you know, I ground all this stuff up in a chopper and this and that. So as it's cooking and as the spaghetti is cooking, instead of just standing there and waiting for it to simmer and do its stuff, I started working on what dishes I could. Like at that point I cleaned up the food processor cause I was done with it. I was done with this. So in that way, it's not quite as big a job. Cause there was that time where it's like, okay, let simmer for 20 minutes. And you're like, yep. all right, dinner's done in 20. Well, all right, let's get going on the kitchen. So it's not such a big job either. So awesome. Well, Roger, thanks for coming on the show, buddy. Absolutely. My pleasure. You can uh, find Ro Roger over at uh, kitchencounterpodcast.com. I believe I have that correct. You got it. And uh, anything coming up in the future for your show that you want to plug while you're here? 
Wow, that's a great question. Just uh, I'm going to be doing a series. I'm planning a series of kind of back to the basics. So nice. if you go to my show and you look at the episodes, I I have kind of ADHD in a, of a sort. So I kind of like to vary my episodes quite a lot. I'll nice. have interviews one day, but I'm, I'm going to start a series of kind of back to the basics. Maybe talk about knife skills, talk about if you want to make bread, here's how you make bread. If you want to make pasta, here's how you make pasta. If you want to cook eggs, here's how you cook eggs. So just get really basic um, for folks that are looking to just kind of jump in for the first time. Nice. The one thing I probably should have asked you that I didn't at the very beginning is like, do you work in the food industry? Are you a, are you, are you a chef of some sort? I'm not. That's a good question. No, my love for cooking comes mostly from my, well, I've been cooking all my life. I mentioned a little bit ago, my uh, mom was a great cook. My dad did things, you know, he was the barbecue or he smoked salmon or he made sausage. So I kind of grew up in this and, and my, Mom actually worked in the food service industry her whole life. So she owns owned a couple of diners when I was a kid. So I got to, you know, wash dishes and watch her make patty melts and all that kind of right. it was just it's just something that's kind of in my family's blood. We actually my my parents have passed on, but my I'm I'm six of six siblings. Wow. We'll get together every year and have a family cook off, which is a really fun we'll just pick, yeah, you know, chili or appetizers or whatever. We all get together and cook. It's just a way for us to kind of you know, stay in touch and have fun. So I just want to help people cook. I, you know, I have no agenda. I, I just, I don't care if you love to eat bacon every day or <laughs> if you're a vegan or anywhere in between, it doesn't matter to me as long as I can help you do something in the kitchen. Awesome. Well, everybody go find Roger over at kitchencounterpodcast.com. Roger, thanks again for coming on the show. Thanks Dave. All right. So as we wrap things up here, I heard that when I did that interview with Roger, I'm like, hey, that, that uh, cooking thermometer sounds like a great idea. You can quit, uh, you know, for me, if I cook a chicken breast on the grill, I'm always cutting it, letting all the juices run out, only to find out that I've already, you know, it's overcooked, it's undercooked, whatever. So these things sound great. And I go out to Amazon, I'm watching all these videos. You can get one for less than 20 bucks. And some of these are even wireless. So you could basically put things on the grill. Uh, put it in the oven, maybe a big roast, and then walk around with this thing, and it'll let you know, hey, when it's done. So this is cool. I buy a bunch of chicken breasts, uh, put one in, I find the thickest one I have, put the little probe in it, throw it on the grill, and within less than a minute, the thing tells me it's, you know, 8 million degrees. And I'm like, hmm, I'm not sure how that's supposed to work because the probe I got was really, really long, and it actually went all the way through the chicken. And I'm like, I'm sure the grill is that hot, but the chicken is not... 8 million degrees. And so I kept trying a couple things. I also have, uh, anytime you're dealing with anything hot, I have those uh, red oven mitts that you've seen that are kind of made out of rubber. Those are handy. And so what I ended up doing, because that just didn't work, it was giving me the temperature of the grill, not the temperature of the chicken, uh, at least not the chicken on the inside. So what I ended up doing was instead of slicing the chicken open is when I thought the chicken was done, is I would basically put the uh, probe into the thickest part of the chicken and basically temporarily take it off the grill, knowing that that would then take the temperature down. But in the end, it, it kind of worked. But it wasn't the it wasn't quite as cool as it looks on the grill. Now I'm going to do some quick research. Or if you've ever used a thermometer, uh, cooking thermometer, let me know. Uh, they've got tons of them. If you go to Target or Walmart or things like that, I've got a link out in the show notes. Uh, everything we talked about today. 
you can find it at logicallost.com slash 336. So if you want to buy one from Amazon, uh, that's fine. And uh, the Logical Losers, our private Facebook group, if you're interested in that, go over to logicallosers.com. I'll be making a video of this escapade of me trying to uh, cook chicken with a cooking thermometer so you can see uh, how I did this. But I, I get the feeling this is operator error, probably doing something wrong. And the manual that came with it just explained kind of how to do it. But when I put it into real life use of a you know cooking chicken on a gas grill, it just didn't seem to uh, work. So I will update you on that as time goes on. If you've ever used one, have any tips, feel free to go to logicalloss.com slash contact. And I look forward to hearing from you. So thanks so much for listening. And uh, I'll leave you with my favorite Jillian Michaels quote, which is, why are you choosing failure when success is still an option? Take care, everybody. We'll see you again real soon. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Logical Weight Loss Podcast. If you're listening to this on a website, please consider subscribing to us for free on iTunes by going to LogicalLoss.com forward slash iTunes. You can contact me via email by sending an email to Dave at LogicalLoss.com or call in your comments toll free, 888-563-3228. You can sign up for our free newsletter and participate in our forums at our website, which is LogicalLoss.com. Our theme music is courtesy of SkinnySongs.com. Thanks again for listening. You know, they say knowledge is power. Knowledge is only power when it's acted upon. You can do this. Live right. Lose weight. Live long. I just want to be thin. I don't deny it. Thin. I want to try it. Thin. But I can't buy it. Guess I'll have to just deny it. Thin. Won't tell you lie.